Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the DOGS program. The Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools are here every Saturday at noon to defend and to promote public schools. And those are schools, as we say almost every week, those are schools which are public in purpose and outcome. Above all, they are public in access. They are accessible to all children, parents, cleaners, administrators, you name it. They are open because we pay our taxes and they are public. They should be open to and they should be offensive to none. But uh, they should also be public in ownership and control. And they should also be public in accountability. In fact, they are the only ones that can be public in accountability. And they are. And as well as that, our politicians should give priority absolute priority to the promotion of public education instead of the uh, support, the unbridled support of private education in this country. Now we have a website at www.adogs.info and we try to put up a press release every week and we tell you about this press release on our radio program. So here is press release 728. Australia's misplaced reliance on parental choice and competition between public and private schools has been linked to declining student performance. Now, that's not, my, that's not a quote from me. That's a quote from the people who are linking it to declining student performance. Because dogs have always opposed state aid to private schools because these sectarian schools divide our children duplicate facilities, foster social and economic inequalities and affect educational standards. And state aid to religious schools also contravenes, we believe, the principle of separation of religion and the state. That's what we stand for and that is what we are against. Now, half a century after the reintroduction of state aid to religious schools, the results are becoming blatantly obvious. Research in Australia, England and the United States has vindicated the dog's position. So here is this research. It's coming in the last week and I thought I'd like to tell you about it. The Australian research is of great importance because the PISA results are coming in and Australia's uh, children are failing really or certainly falling behind the rest of the world, particularly in maths. We're falling behind the International Joneses. And finally, the pennies dropped. If we keep going the way we are by uh, funding private as opposed to public schools and turning them against each other in the name of parental choice and competition and so on, it's going to keep getting worse. It's a silly, it's a silly, 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 uncommonsensical policy. So what is the Australian research? The latest PISA results, which were released last year in 2016, showed that the Australian 15-year-olds are declining in both absolute terms and relative to their international peers. They're two and a half years behind in maths compared to students in Singapore and one and a half years behind them in science. And these latest results from the 2016 Progress in International Reading Literacy Study is going to be released on Tuesday this week. Now, why are they falling behind? 
there's this new paper investigating what is called the unsolved mystery. Well, if they'd asked the dogs, we could have solved it for, for, for them very, very quickly, uh, of worsening test scores. So there is this unsolved mystery of worsening test scores. And they blame Australia's misplaced reliance on parental choice and competition between public and private schools, which they say may have created the conditions for declining student performance. So now you can see where I got the heading for this press release where I said that I was going to talk about Australia's misplaced reliance on parental choice and competition between public and private schools. That's not my statement. That is the statement of this very interesting research. Now, who has done this research? The authors, are in, the Australian author, is Dr Leela Morsi from the University of New South Wales, but there's also academics from Stanford University and the National Research University Higher School of Economics that have assisted her. And they have noted the drift from public schools to publicly subsidised private and Catholic schools. Well, as we know, that drift is drifting right back these days, as well as an influx of new immigrants to Australia, which they say has contributed to the declining standards. Uh, they, the paper itself looks at Australia's significant decline in the OECD's Programme for International Student Assessment, that's PISA, between 2000 and 2015. But the paper focuses mainly on mathematics because math schools have dropped much more than reading or science. So Australia is falling behind the, the international Joneses. When this happened in 1900, they realised it was because we weren't into secondary education. So Tate and in, in Victoria and Board in New South Wales got Australia into secondary education for all children. It took them until all the 1960s to really do it, and those two men were long gone by then. But we were there in the 1960s, and then we introduced state aid, and uh, there's all this trouble since. The paper, that this research paper uh, in Australia said that an emphasis on choice and competition between public and private schools to improve education may have created the conditions for declining student performance. Well, of course it will, because attention is drawn away from teaching improvement strategies, strong school accountability and adequate funding for low-income schools. But, of course, if you've only got a pie and so much in that pie and you divide it between duplicated facilities all over the place, uh, then, of course, things are not going to go as well as you would hope. If all of the pie went to one group of schools, then you would just do so much better. It's called efficiency and economy, but um, that's actually in short supply uh, when they talk about education in Australia. It's a further interest to note that in spite of the billions of dollars that have been poured into Catholic schools in particular, uh, in even more recent results, it looks as if the government schools, in spite of their lack of funding, are probably doing better than those schools. Now, dogs note that all of this was predictable. We predicted it, and it's happening. So what has been happening over in the United Kingdom? Because the Australian research is not the only research being done uh, on the deleterious effect that privatisation of education has on the results, children's results, and also on the society itself. Because if you divide our children, uh, then you're going to have sectarian and other problems. Now, the, in the United Kingdom, the privatisation of education has been on the Conservative and even the Labor Party agenda for several decades. Subsidisation of private schools gathered pace, has gathered pace there since 1944. But there has been greater accountability with the private schools in, in the United Kingdom than in Australia. However, in recent years, the local government administrations of state schools has been undermined by the establishment of what they call autonomous privatised academies. These are run by trusts and corporations and they resemble the charter schools in the United States. 
Like private schools in Australia and charter schools in the United States, they're intended to attract members of the aspirational and insecure middle classes and, of course, keep the others out. But surprise, surprise, the latest research has found that the introduction of academies is deepening divisions within the English education system and society. And, of course, as we all know, the English um, class society is still pretty... It's certainly not classless. The results of this research in England have been published in a new book by a Manchester professor, Mel Ainscrow. He's got a CBE, would you believe? It's been written with a major salakangus of Trinity College in Dublin. And it's called Inside the Autonomous School, Making Sense of a Global Trend. The book provides a unique account of developments over more than 10 years in one of the first English academies and analyses how this has led to remarkable progress over the first few years, but which was then followed by a pretty severe decline. Linking the analysis to even wider research, and including studies of charter schools in the United States of America, Australian independent public schools and free schools in Sweden... So this is interesting. Australia is definitely on the research uh, map as having a lot of private schools that are causing a lot of trouble. So this book points to both the potential and the dangers of school autonomy initiatives, particularly when they're set within policy contexts that emphasise competition, high-stakes testing and parental choice. I'd like to just um, mention there that they talk about autonomous schools. What do they mean? They mean schools that just stand alone and are not protected by an administration, a centralised administration or a bureaucracy. You had this uh, in the early colonial days of Australia and it didn't work and it never will work. You actually need, particularly if you have uh, public funding of institutions, you need proper accountability and in the end you need a proper centralised administration which is answerable to the representatives of the people in Parliament, properly accountable. In other words, an education department. So these autonomous schools are autonomous, independent of any education department which allows their trusts, of course, to make lots of money from them and uh, not give particularly good service to the customers, namely the students. It is a privatised model. So the research in England has pointed to the fact that the vast majority of new academies have struggled to live up to their ambitious promises, especially in relation to raising attainment amongst low-income families. In addition, rather than introducing reforms that lead to improvements in educational approaches, they've mainly focused on structural reforms that focus on organisation and management. And in our our press release, we can get, we've given you uh, the reference uh, on the internet that you can find out more about this research. Now, what's been going on in the United States of America? Well, we all know that Betty DeVos uh, is a great privatiser, but uh, there's very recent research which indicates a very sad thing is happening, particularly down in California. Uh, America has always had, since the slave traders, a problem with segregation. But in the 1970s, after a very important case, uh, the Brown case, the Supreme Court of America, as you probably know, demanded that desegregation should cease and, if necessary, children uh, from the uh, Negroid background should be bussed to schools in the white areas. But uh, this, this is now in reverse. In America, the privatisation of education through charter schools is assisting rampant racial segregation of children. Across the Los Angeles and Orange counties, one out of every five Hispanic child, and there's 259,000 of them, attended a school in 2014 where practically every other child shared their race and background. And the student body in these counties was 95% Hispanic. 
And in the 550 or so of those most racially isolated schools in Southern California, as rated by an analysis which was published last Sunday by data journalists at the Associated Press, students are less likely to have met state standards in reading or maths. In its analysis, the AP reported that measures of school segregation across the United States have regressed to levels that have not been seen since the days of that landmark Brown versus Board of Education decision or since the 1970s when courts across the nation began ordering districts to institute busing programs to institute their schools. So this is a really very, very sad development. Now, dogs note, in the light of all of this research uh, that has been done, not only in Australia, but in England and also in America, that our opposition to state aid for the last half century is now, sadly, being vindicated. The good news is that Academic research, albeit research presented in carefully expurgated prose, is finally pointing to the dangerous social, economic and educational fruits of state aid to private schools. So that is uh, our press release 728. And that's enough of me. Let's have a little bit of um, music and then Robert will be taking over. And I assure you, Robert has got so much material it's all over our desk here so uh, he's going to be giving you lots and lots of information Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial and podcast on the www's at the 3CR website or indeed the Dogs website which is at www.adogs.info. Look, regular listeners to the program uh, know we talk about a range of issues also do with education policy and indeed separation of religion from the state in Australia. Um, now something, I'm going to talk about three things just in the next little while. Um, all of them are quite involved and some of them are quite cheery. I'll be talking, of course, about our new state school, which is a great school this week, which comes from all the way down on, on the peninsula. The insula. You know, way down past Frankston? Yes, if you're down there, how, how are you going? Hope it's a nice day at the beach, not too hot, not too cold. I'll be talking about Dramana Secondary College and what they've been doing over the last 10 to 15 years. Extraordinary work they do there with the local people there on the peninsula. I'm sure many people, when they think about the peninsula, think about Sorrento and Portsea, but actually... Down at Rosebud, that's the highest, um, it's the highest single parent population on, on benefits in, in the, um, in the state of Victoria. I live down in there. It's an interesting mix. And of course, Dramana Secondary College, being, um, the sort of secondary college that takes all comers, because it's a state school, of course. It takes all people. It doesn't matter what their values are. It doesn't matter what their religion is. It doesn't matter what the colour of their skin. Or indeed, if they're capable of paying, state schools take them all. And the great school, which is the state school we'll be talking about later, is Dramana Secondary College. Before we get to that, I want to talk about political interference from um, foreign, um, foreign nation states. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a bit sick of it. In fact, in federal parliament, um, the, our prime minister decided that he's going to ban all donations from, from foreign national sources. 
He's got an idea that, you know, what is it, Slippery Sam of Sichuan, Dastiari is taking money from Chinese people, so he's going to put a stop to that. That's very good. But I actually... I'm, I'm, Shades of Kimlani. Well, it's, all, it's all, all a bit weird. I'm actually um, not at all facetiously worried about a very different foreign nation, nation state which is affecting us here in Australia. And I'd like to talk about the upcoming um, election in Benelong. It's a by-election up there. There's a couple of people going. There's the ex-premier, Binyakinian, up there, and... Um, Mr. Alexander, who used to be a tennis player, they're fighting it out between Labour. Christina Keneally. Christina Keneally and um, John Alexander are fighting it. I, I did know her name. I was just trying to be a bit vague because I'm oh, Victorian. <laughs> it's always a bit, it's always a bit sort of you know try hard if you know too much about what's going on in New South Wales. She used to be a member of Opus Day in her youth. She has a, a theological. Uh, she has a theological degree. She's a very outspoken Catholic. Um, yeah, not not at all pleased with what the Catholic Church is doing. Yeah. I'm quite outspoken about it. Dif- but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about foreign interference, Jane, in our national polity. And I'm just getting a bit sick of it. I don't like these foreigners coming and telling us what to do. <laughs> I'm just getting sick of it. Because in the by-election, this is according to an article in The Australian by Joe Kelly, um, the New South Wales Catholic schools have written to all candidates in the Benelong by-election warning them that over the threat to their school's funding as part of the government's Gonski 2.0. There are 11 Catholic schools in the electorate and the Chief Executive of Catholic Schools New South Wales, Dallas McInerney, asked all candidates, including the Liberals John Lee Alexander and Labor's Christina Keneally, what they will do to address the funding shortfall for all the poor Catholic schools up there in Benelong. What poor Catholic schools? Well, they're saying they're worried. The Dallas, Dallas, Dallas McInerney is writing letters to her, and, in, and when Dallas McInerney writes letters and tries to influence the elections, you should listen, <laughs> because she um, is the chief executive of the Catholic schools in New South Wales. Now, what's this? Well, just, just I mean, you probably don't realise this, Jane, but um, the Catholic school system is actually controlled by the Catholic Church. Did you, you know, it's all about the diocese. You probably didn't know that, Shane. I, 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 I don't know if our listeners do. Well, I know that uh, in 1979 we did a great deal of research and I think all of the property in the end of the Catholic Church is owned by the Archbishop through being a corporation yeah. soul. Yes, right. And, and the Archbishop, of course, is beholden to the government of a foreign power because in 1929... There's this thing that was created by a bloke called Benito Mussolini called Vatican City, which is a foreign state. It's a country. They've done away with it it's um, about, back it's in the 19th century. And, uh, oh, well, no, yeah, no, no, no. Vatican City. Garibaldi did away with it. Yeah, no, then no, Mussolini we'll, put it right back Put there. it right back in 1929. There's this place called Vatican City. It's 44 hectares in the middle of Rome, and it's a nation state. Now, the Catholic Church finds this very beneficial when it comes to not producing documents because, of course, the Vatican City does not have an extradition treaty with Australia. So if someone wants to disappear into Vatican City because they're a wanted person in Australia, they can quite happily do so because it's a proper country, Vatican City. So I'm a bit annoyed that this this foreign country, 44 acres in the middle of the Rhine, called Vatican City, is is attempting to blatantly influence the elections going on in Bethel Benelong. I'm, I'm going to write to my local member and say I'm sick and tired of all this foreign interference. <laughs> I think it's absolutely terrible. Well, you know, because Dallas McInerney, who's the boss of the chief executive of the Catholic schools, who's, who, who answers to the diocese, who answers to the archbishop, who answers to the pope, who lives in Vatican City, because that's the way it works, um, they had three important questions. And they said, well, you know, if you don't do what we say, we'll make sure all the Catholics don't, don't vote for you. Unless you give us all the right answers, so I'm just—I think it's terrible. There's this foreign interference. I, I'm, I'm getting sick of it. There's this whole this foreign country called Vatican City trying to influence our elections here in Australia. Unacceptable. Much worse than the Chinese, if you ask me. I know it's that. been going on for a long time, a long, long time. Of course it has. So I mean, that, that sounds a bit facetious, but. Yeah, I'm a bit sick of it when the Catholic Church or any church, any religious institution comes out and says, OK, we're going to make sure all the, all the Califumpians are going to vote this way or that way or the Lutherans or all the Islamic people or whatever, whatever you're the religion. I don't really care. I think it's shocking. I'm not sure it's their business, is it's it? Well, actually, the Catholics are a bit different because they do have a nation state and they use it in law. In, in the courts of Australia, say, so, oh, no, we can't tell you that because that's, um, we, we have to get permission from, from a sovereign state, so we're not going to tell you. The, the Royal Commission has come across this time and again when trying to um, have documents 
subpoenaed and revealed. Oh no, that's in, that's in a foreign country and we have to talk to the foreign country about getting those back. Absolutely fascinating. So, so it's a real thing. I mean, I'm, I'm not making this up, Jane. I'm, this is a real thing. Oh, I, I know you're not. I know. I know very, very well indeed. Mm. Well, I've got because I'm, you're also dealing not just with um, uh, a separate state, but you're also dealing with a different legal system, uh, the canon law. Canon we hear a lot about the evils, for example, of Sharia law, but the Western powers have made sure that the Muslim community doesn't have their caliphate. They've, they've uh, dropped a lot of bombs mm. on a so-called caliphate. Mm. Uh, but... Uh, what's the difference here? What is the difference? Oh, I think there is a difference between canon law and, and, and Sharia law. I think, I think they're written in different languages to start with. Um, <laughs> All but, right. But I'm, I'm, I'm being semantic, I know, Jane. But I think you actually have another point. But I, look, I, I'm just I'm bringing this up because I'm sick and tired of these foreign countries influencing our political system. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have it. I'm going to stand up. I'm a true Australian nationalist. On a on a slightly different note, actually, I think I think I'll say it on a slightly different note after these messages. For three years, teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions, and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm a proud product of a government-funded primary school education and of a government-funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's simply not good enough that kids with disability miss out. Our education is not for profit! Our education is not for profit! You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR, 855 on the AM dial. Look, I have to actually make an apology um, uh, here, here on the Dogs Program. When we, when we get things wrong, I have to, I have, we have to admit it straight away. And just before the break, I mentioned that I was a true Australian nationalist. Um, I, ha- I have to admit that I have no idea what that means. <laughs> it's just a phrase I heard on the television once. It, I think it was at a rally. This, some, some bloke didn't have any hair, was screaming about something with a swastika of nationalism. Um, I'm not that guy, um, so I have to admit in error that I have no idea what a true Australian nationalist is. I don't know what they look like and I don't know what it's all about. But moving on to what we mostly talk about here on the Dogs Program, which is separation of religion from the state and serious, significant educational issues. Um, something happened about a bit over a week ago, which I think our listeners would be interested in. Um, as you probably know, here on, here on the Dogs Program, I'm, I'm often very forthcoming with my financial advice. I think it's good to <laughs> give, give people financial advice. It's also good to point out when you see some, some, some people about to waste some taxpayers' money. And I don't like wasting taxpayers' money. And in Canberra, we're about to waste a lot of taxpayers' money. Because at a place called the Brindabella Christian College, um, up in Canberra, the school board just sacked their principals. And they sacked their principal and they wrote a letter home um, because they told the principals, no, they told all the parents, the principal got sacked because, because the devil. Because the devil. And this needs a little bit of explanation. Because the board of Brindabella Christian College up there in Canberra has suddenly sacked the school's principal and warned parents that the devil has his sights on Christian education as the federal government prepares to legislate on same-sex marriage. Now, the ousted principal is Bruce Hanley, and he's taken the school board to the Fair Work Commission after being booted out of his position just, just a little while ago. Now, his firing, and it was a firing, came after a four-page statement that he sent to the Brindabella parents in September, urging a no vote in the same-sex marriage survey. So he urged all the parents to vote no in the same-sex marriage survey, and he got booted out. Now, let's just go into this, because I think this is interesting. Now, although Mr Hanley's name appeared at the end of the letter, his wife, the principal and his wife on the board, it's all getting very, very, like a Poirot murder or something, his wife later distanced the family from the document writing on social media that it did not represent her or her husband's views, as she, quote, we believe Christians can vote yes to the same-sex marriage, well, survey, whatever it was. Now, many parents later contacted the Canberra Times to say that they believed Mr Hanley did not write the letter. Now, Mr Hanley said, and I quote, 
The decision to sack me came without warning while I was waiting for the Fair Work Commission to deal with my application for an order to stop bullying that I had filed. Now, the board chairman, Greg, now I have to be very careful here, Zwagenberg, I think, I think is the correct pronunciation, who was in America when the letter was sent, said its contents were written by Christian Education Australia, but endorsed and distributed by Mr Hanley. He would not be drawn on why Mr Hanley had lost his job, but said he was unrelated to same-sex marriage legislation. Now, to the parents, Mr Zwagenberg wrote, and I quote, The board of the college has now terminated Mr Bruce Hanley's three-year contract one year early as a component of Bruce's second yearly review. It went on to say that Bruce will not be returning to the college in 2018. It goes on further to say, This week we'll be advertising nationally for a new, dynamic, solid Christian principle to lead the college for the foreseeable future and we will keep everyone informed of our progress. Mr Hanley who was an experienced teacher who had held leadership roles in schools throughout Australia and overseas, said, It was obviously very upsetting for me and my family. These are new proceedings that have now commenced against the college that probably as much as I'd like to say at this time, said Mr Hanley. A number of parents have pulled their children from Brindabella Christian School since the no letter was sent. Two families the Fairfax Media spoke to said their children had been subjected to lectures on same-sex marriage and felt alienated after expressing dissenting views. A letter sent by Mr Swagdenberg this just week just gone confirmed one family's decision to remove their children from the school. The memo asked the school community to keep Brindabella Christian College in its prayers as the devil circled around their Christian school. He also went on to say in this letter, There is a perfect storm coming for Australian Christian education by way of differing views on clarification with respect to religious freedoms and the devil has his sights on Christian education through changing legislation and secular attitudes. Now one parent removed their child from the school said, We hope that a Christian education would involve actively demonstrating love and support for all members of the community. The letter sent yesterday showed that the chairman of the board feels Christian education is more about alienating outsiders who they view as a threat. Speaking of Wednesday, after the Senate passed the bill in favour of same-sex marriage, Mr. Swagenberg said Brinda Bell's position on religious freedoms and same-sex marriage was well known. Our position has always been very clear on Christian teaching and freedom of religion, so from our particular perspective there's nothing more to add other than Merry Christmas. Now I think this is interesting because this brings up a whole series of problems, and I'm going to talk about the financial problems to start with. The first thing I'm going to say is, having researched this school, every year in this school, we the taxpayers, that's you people out there and me if you pay tax, pay $10,000 a year to educate these children. That's per, more than in a lot of per child. schools. It is, per child. Yeah. Per child. Uh, parents also cough up another six grand on top, so it ends up being six in total, which is more than enough to educate a child. Now, unless, of course, the children have come from a disadvantaged background or a low socioeconomic status or they come from a place where education needs to be bolstered for that child because in Australia it is an unfortunate truth that if you come from a poor family you need help to get a good education. It's a sad thing to say, but it's a true thing to say. So if the children of Brindabella Christian College were indeed you know, the poor and the helpless and the meek and, 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 and the starving, because it's a Christian college, you would think that, that that would make sense, that we, the government, would give them money. But I'll tell you for an absolute fact, they're not. Having looked at the data for this school, 2% of the school's population come from the lowest quartile. 78% come from the top two quartiles, and 45% come from the highest, richest families in Australia. And we, the people of Australia, are paying $10,000 for every kid that goes to this school so they can hear this. Now, if I actually have some sympathy for the chairman of the board, he says he is a committed Christian, and within his teachings he believes that same-sex marriage is wrong, and do you know what? Yeah, that's fine. But he's running a school. <laughs> he's running a school with my money. He should give the state aid back. If he wants, if he wants to be um, free to teach his opinions or his view of Christianity, yep. then um, he should give our, our money yep. back. Well, firstly, I resent the hundreds, it's only hundreds, the hundreds of dollars of taxpayers' money that was spent to send these letters out in the first place. Yep. I actually resent that. 
I want that money back to start with because I don't want my taxes paying for that letter to be sent out and franked. I just don't want it. It's not right. And the second thing is, in the Fair Work Commission, I think there's a pretty good chance there's going to be a payout, a confidential payout to Mr Hanley from the school. And do you know what? school's not going to pay it. I'm going to pay it. So I'm going to pay out in Fair Work Australia to see Mr Hanley goes away with some confidential amount of money so with a, with, with, with a, with a no-disparagement clause, because that's the way it always works out, isn't it, Jean? Yep. I'm going, to, I'm going to make that payout because these people are having a spat about the devil. That's not appropriate as far as I'm concerned. And I've got my teacher voice on, you can probably hear. I don't think that's appropriate. So financially, I mean, separation of church and state is a very fundamental issue. And these people all have the rights to their views. Mr Hanley has his rights to his views. The parents have the rights to their views. His wife the chairman of the board, all those people in that school have the religious freedoms to have the views that they have. I'm just not happy paying for them to have a fight about it. The problem is, the problem that they now have, um, Christian people in, in Australia, and I'm one of them, is that large numbers of the Christian community have had it so good for so long and they've been um, drinking at the trough or they've been certainly eating at the trough of the taxpayer, certainly for the last 50 years. But before that, they always thought that they were in a majority in the community. They're not any longer. They have to come to terms with the fact that they are now going to go back into a pre-Constantine situation in their churches. And I don't think that, from a Christian point of view, is necessarily a bad thing. Because um, the Christian church was in its growing period, in its most vital period, pre-Constantine, once the state takes over the church, which Constantine did, um, you have problems. And we've had these problems of church and state ever since Constantine uh, decided that he'd become a Christian and make the whole Roman Empire uh, into what he thought they should believe. He, he imposed a belief system on the Roman Empire. So um, I think that the Christians in Australia actually have to come to terms with the fact that they are in a pre-Constantine situation. And it might actually enliven our churches greatly. Yeah, which is... Yeah, perhaps a benefit for those people who, who have that in mind. From my point of view. Oh, no, absolutely, Jean. And I'm just going to point out, because Jean, I think, has made a very good point. Here at the Dogs, many people would say we're anti-religion or even that we're sectarian or even that we're anti-Catholic or anti... We're not. got nothing to do with it. In fact, in many ways, we're pro. Um, the separation of religion from the state frees both. It frees the conscience of those people who truly believe it also feels it, it frees the state from the burden of having to deal with ridiculous amounts of religious sensibilities that money, but money gets distributed to. And Brenda Bell is the perfect case in point. I'm going to pay for that fight. It's ridiculous. You know, people can get up and stand up and have, have the most extraordinary fights about about what the devil means and, and, and all that sort of stuff. It's not my business. They can do it in their places of worship or even indeed their homes, or even indeed their institutions if they pay for the privilege themselves. I think we have to go back to basics. Public schools should be open to everybody with offence to none. Therefore, there are certain things that they should do. They should give children the skills to survive in our community, reading, writing, arithmetic and other things as well. Uh, certainly many, many new skills that they need and uh, so that they can survive and our economy can survive. It is a secular thing. It is a thing that you have, um, and it should be um, the thing of the things of the state. But um, it should be offensive to none. Therefore, belief systems like religion and even sex education and so on, they just shouldn't be part of the school curriculum because they are so controversial that somebody is going to get offended and it's not fair on the children. And it stops the teachers and others from concentrating on their job. That's, uh, that's my, my view, but I think you have to go back to basics. Open to all, offensive to none. You've been listening to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. We will be back after these messages talking about a particularly great state school down in the Royal Peninsula, Dramana Secondary College. Sometimes when you need help most, it can be really hard to speak up. If you need things like food, a place to stay or counselling support, there's no shame when you ask Izzy. 
askizzy.org.au is a website that helps you find what you need now and nearby. It's made for mobile and all searches are anonymous. Plus, there are no data fees if you're on the Telstra network. No shame, just ask Izzy. That's askizzy.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Every week on the Doctor Program, we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State schools. School of the week. Great state schools. State schools. School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. Dramana Secondary College. Awesome place. Um, I actually have some personal experience of it from, oh, I don't know, a decade or so ago. But things have changed down there on the peninsula. It's a very interesting change. Germana Secondary College. Well, let's just give you a bit of background on this place. There's about 1,500 kids that go there, so it's big. Oh, about 10 years ago, there was only about a bit under 1,000, maybe down to 800. So in that time, Germana Secondary College has almost doubled its enrolment. And that's because it's successful. It's perceived as successful by the parent community, whereas perhaps it wasn't before. And it's going great strides. They put a little bit of money into it. That's what happened. It was a run-down school away from everywhere with a few, a few portables and some good teachers. And then they put some money into it. And it started to look good. And sort of people went, oh, well, we'll go there. And, of course, the people who had no choice but to send them there sent them there as well anyway. So you'll find that the place actually is now a mix a mix. Now, when I say a mix, let's just have a look at these kids. Like, there's about almost 1,500 of them. It's a fairly even mix of boys and girls, slightly more boys and girls, but, you know, it, it's not somewhere where you just send your, your troublesome boys or anything like that. 32% of the kids that go there come from the poorest families in Australia, the lowest quartile. But 7% come from the highest. Now, that's not as much as that's not as much as two two, but it's not nothing either. But in the middle, it's the middle bit that's interesting. There's about eighty percent, or not about eighty, about seventy percent of the kids come from the two middle quartiles. It's now a state school on the peninsula, a public school on the peninsula, that is for poor kids, for kids in the middle, and for rich kids. So, I would suggest to you that the overall demographic of the peninsula in terms of income, is reflected in the school. It's actually a school that is educating the kids from the peninsula in a, with each other, rich and poor alike. So that's just where it's at at the moment, or it's where, where, where it was in 2016. And I can tell you, ten, a decade or so ago, that wasn't the case. A decade ago, Germana was in fact the place that if you had to send your kid there, you would be devoid if possible. There's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, one was that there were a lot of difficult children and they actually decided to deal with them as a school. I said, okay, we're going to take all these difficult kids and we're going to put them in a program to help them. And they did. So they took them out of normal classes and, and they had enormous success with it for a number of years. But the trouble was that in the parental aspirational community around, the school got the reputation of where you would send your difficult children. And if you're an aspirational parent, of course, you would never send your child there. You would send them to another school. And so, therefore, the enrolments, two years after they set up this wonderful program to help out difficult kids, the enrolments fell by about 20% year on year because no one would send their child to the school with all the difficult kids. So um, they abandoned that approach, which I thought was very sad. But since that time, they've had an injection of cash, an injection of facilities, and an injection of fresh teachers doing extraordinary things, actually, there down on the peninsula. Now, one of the things they're doing is that their results. Their results are okay. They're not brilliant, but they're certainly not bad. And compared to the way the results used to be, you know, specialising in the way they did in, in certain sections of the community, they are much improved. Um, so the results of the school are interesting. Now, just to let you know, Germana is an interesting school because it's, it's kind of like a country school. It's actually in a paddock in the middle of nowhere, up on a hillside. Best views from any school across the bay in, in, in Victoria. In fact, probably, probably Australia. It's an amazingly beautiful location. But it's set away so all the kids are bust in, all the kids are bust out. Weren't we lucky? If you turned up at, if, if, if you, well, no, it's true. If, if you turned up there at about 4.30 in the afternoon, you wouldn't see a kid because they're all gone. But, um, and if you turned up there at 8 o'clock in the morning, you wouldn't see a kid because they're, they're not there yet because they're all bust in and all bust out. And so there is an intensity to the school that comes from that. Um, it's very interesting, actually, because it is a genuinely country school. 
And they've actually encouraged the kids to be aspirational within the curriculum as well. I can tell you this because I've, I've worked down there. They actually encourage the kids to stretch themselves because often in country schools you'll get that sort of, yeah, yeah, enough's good enough, let's go for a surf. <laughs> um, and there's still obviously a bit of that in the culture and a bit of that in the school, but that's actually been harnessed for the benefit because that's been tied into certain aspirational goals. And I can tell you right now within the school they, they are a community of teachers. Staff turnover at Dramatic Secondary College is almost minuscule. Once you're there, you stay, because <laughs> it's a nice place to be. Teachers are good to work with, and if you are welcomed into the school as, as another teacher, one of the things that happens is you, you become part of their community, the teacher's community, the school's community, the parents' community, and, of course, the community of kids. It's a wonderful place to teach. So here we are looking at Dramatic Secondary College. This place is getting good results, not bad results, good results for, 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 for what they're doing. Um, now, this school in particular, how much are we, the taxpayers, paying for all this glory and all these wonderful facilities and all this niceness on, on an ongoing basis? Well, as you know, if you're going to teach you know, kids, an average sort of kid, it's going to cost you about $13,000 a year to get that kid over the line into a gold standard education. If you come from a slightly poorer background, it's going to cost you a bit more. If you come from a slightly richer background, you'll find it'll cost you a bit less because the parents will get by all the tutors and stuff like that, and it'll be fine. So about 13000 down at Dramana Secondary College, it's about $11,500 per kid per year they're spending. Now, isn't that saving the taxpayers' money along the way? Mm. Doing a good job, having a good time, doing some good teaching, having some good learning um, down there down there on the peninsula, and it's under for under $12,000 a kid a year. Bargain. You sound as if you're about to burst into song then. <laughs> Oh, well, I just thought people people need to know when schools do things, not just do things good, but do things good on a budget because they're used to having nothing. So they use the nothing they got to the best advantage they have. So congratulations, Jermaine Secondary Schools. You are our straight school, state school of the week. Every week on the Doctor Program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State school. School of the week. Great state schools. State State schools. schools School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial and podcast on the www's rather 3CR website and of course at our website www.adogs.info. It's good to have your company. Ah, oh, look, it's refreshing to talk about places like Demana Secondary College, which are just great state schools doing good things on a day-to-day basis, unheralded really mostly, except of course by the parents and the kids and the teachers who work in those places. I think it's great to talk about some of our great investigative journalists. I was sad this week that we lost late line, or we're going to lose late line, um, because we've got some good investigative journalists there, but we've actually got some very good ones in the Fairfax media particularly, and in Canberra, um, who are looking at the facts and the figures on educational funding. I think Henrietta Cook, our own Henrietta Cook... Henrietta Cook down in here in the age in... Um in, in Melbourne. She should be congratulated. She was, absolutely. I mean, she was taken off the education desk for a number of years. She was there initially, but she was taken off, and now she's come back, and she's come back with a vengeance. Um, she's been doing some very fascinating and investigative work at, at, at the Fairfax Press down here in Victoria. Now, one thing she's done is she's investigated this whole Gonski 2.0 business, which, quite frankly, for most people, is confusing. Um, we only have about 10 minutes left of the program, so it's not long enough to explain the whole thing, and I think we're going to devote some time to this next week. So if you are interested in finding out what on earth is going on with this Gonski 2.0 and why are the Catholics and the independent schools beating up on each other, and why are the Catholics jumping up and down telling everyone not to vote for someone that does the wrong thing by them... Um, you, we'll actually discuss it later because it's reasonably complex, but you can get to it. You can get to the idea. You can push your way through the ob- obtuse and obfuscation of uh, the obtuseness and obfuscation of the politicians involved and, of course, the people who are the lobbyists for the private school organisations. But here on the Dogs Program, I'm just going to report on something that happens about every two years, isn't it, Jane? Mm. It could be the Victorian Auditor General auditing the Catholic school system or the Federal Auditor General two years before that. It took them a long time to get to it. Uh, The dogs had to ask, and we got lots of press releases out, demanding that the Auditor General, particularly uh, in Canberra, should actually look at uh, private school funding. 
And then about 2008, the penny dropped. It was a terrible scandal. It's been a scandal, I assure you, listeners, since 1964. But it really mm. took off under the Labor Party, under the Whitlam government, actually, in 1973, under the Beasley Ministry. But um, we knew about it. We, we talked about it non-stop. And uh, when Van Davey wrote a, uh, a, a dissenting report in 1984, they got rid of him in the Schools Commission. But around about 2008, the penny started dropping. It was just getting so bad. When you say getting so bad, the penny's still dropping. It's a very deep well. <laughs> um, it's an extraordinarily deep well. And if we lived in some foreign country and we were looking at it, we'd probably just call it corruption. Yes. Uh, we're not going to call it that here in this country because, as you know, if you want to find out where corruption is, you find out what they don't talk about at middle-class dinner parties. Yeah. And they certainly don't talk about school funding at, din- at middle-class dinner parties. Now, I'm going to talk specifically now about the Catholic school sector. Um, this is not because I dislike Catholics. It's just that they're the largest group of private schools and they work as a, as Jean would say, imperium imperio, as, as a state within a state. They have their own bureaucracy and their own processes. Now, as Birmingham has said, he's dropped this out in the press a couple of times in the last little while. He said, listen, I don't know what you Catholics are complaining about. I'm letting you control your own money. I don't have to do that, but I am just going to let you do what you want with your money. I'm going to give you the money to your bureaucracy and you get to spend it where you like. And the Catholics, of course, in terms of the education system, still jump up and down. As you know, in Benelong, they're trying to create education funding for their schools as an issue that will tip over one way or the other. Now... This is a bipartisan issue. Um, I'm not going to rattle the cage of any particular minister or any particular political party, as Jean well knows, and I do too. Well, Flipper Sex worse, um, because the trouble with Birmingham is he's a state school boy. He's not used to this level of corruption. <laughs> That's his problem. Flipper Sex does understand it because she comes from that background. Now, Henry Cook, as I say, the investigative journalist I was praising just a little while ago, has written a very interesting article uh, just a couple of days ago on the 6th of December. And she says Catholic and, on, and other non-government school systems, not, 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 not other non-government schools, but other non-government school systems, are right now shortchanging some of their neediest schools by hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Hmm. This has been found out in a scathing auditor report. For example, and just, just, to, just, so, just, just so you know, I'm not always bashing Catholics and stuff because that's not the point of this. One struggling Lutheran school received just over one quarter of the funding that was allocated by the federal government to it. They missed out on $1.2 million in that one school. So what happens is the government says, this is, this is a school, these are the, you know, this is the church, these are the people, look inside and wiggle, wiggle. Um, this is the school, this is the kids, this is the amount of money we're going to give you for those kids. That money does not go to the school. It goes to the Lutheran education bureaucracy, who then are supposed to pass it on. But in this particular case of this one school, they haven't. They've held back $1.2 million from the children in that Lutheran school. Now, the governments also fund non-government schools directly, but... Those schools that are part of a network, and Lutherans are like that, and the Catholics are like that. And the Adventists. And the Adventists. They receive money from a lump sum delivered to the network central authority. So all that money is added up. All those billions of dollars are added up and just dumped into the network central authority. Now, the National Audit Office has run, run an audit over this and found that those central authorities were redistributing the federal funding as they saw fit shortchanging some schools and boosting funds to others. St John's Lutheran Primary School in Jindera, New South Wales, received only 28% of the funding it was allocated, which is to say they only received on the ground $469,000 instead of $1.7 million. In Victoria, the disadvantaged St Patrick Schools in St Arnard was meant to receive $1.23 million, but actually received $727,000 from the Victorian Catholic Education Commission. That's a shortfall of half a million dollars. Now, conversely, some disadvantaged schools received significantly more funding than they were allocated. The Cathedral School in Mangarata was allocated 4.7, but received double that. The audit found that 11% of the schools funded through the central body received at least 10% more funding than they were allocated by the department, and 12% received at least at least 10% less than what they're allocated. 
There's a question as to whether or not what is given for ongoing costs is being put into capital costs too, isn't it? Oh, well, that's just, that, that, is, that is a different and separate question. So the, so the question would be why? Now, Jane can answer this question, I know very well. But what do they even have to say about this? Well, last time the Victorian Auditor, the Auditor, the Victorian Auditor General, who was by, sacked, by the way sacked halfway through the process, um, came out with the scathing report of Catholic education in Victoria, which is only two years ago. So this isn't this. Everyone knows this goes on. The response was, "You can't say that. You're just being all beating up on Catholics and stuff, and you didn't even ask the right, right questions. So go away. We don't have to listen to you." That's what Stephen Elder said to the Victorian Auditor General. And you know what? Nothing happened. So what did they say this time? Well, the National Catholic Education Commission director Christina Zara said the current funding model did not profit. Oh did not properly assess need. So they're saying the government's wrong. Okay? They only know what need is. They Christian Zara, she said state and territory Catholic systems had their own redistribution model, which and they knew best, so go away. So where have you heard this before? Give us some stuff. We're not going to tell you how we're going to spend it. We know best, now go away. Do you know what? We heard this at the Royal Commission into Institutional Child Sex Abuse. We heard this exact argument. We know what we're doing. Stop talking about it. Go away. They did this for years, and now they're doing it with the taxpayers' money. They did it to the victims. They did. And they, um, they never dealt with, with the proper police. Either. Now, remember, remember that spat I was talking about between the Independent Schools Australia and the Catholic yeah. Education System? The Independent Schools Australia comments on this, and that's their director, Colette Coleman, said that accountability and transparency concerns did not relate to the independent sector. And she'd be right in that, because they get the money directly, directly school to school. And so, therefore, it's just, a, it's just these internal bureaucracies, which, by the way, we, the taxpayer, pay for. We pay for this red tape. So, and the, for years the and question years remains why. The question remains why. System. The question remains why. And the answer is very simple. Jean can tell you this. I can tell you this. That if you have a needy school that improves, it's no longer needy, and so therefore does not attract funding. So if you want a school to continue to attract the maximum amount of funding from the federal government, you keep you it needy. needy. Or you use the money to set up another needy school, which is, which what, is what they've they, done. Which is what they're doing. They, they basically build a new school from the money that they should have allocated to the school to make it better. And then they've got two schools that are needy and they get twice as much again. And this is why in the outlying areas of the cities you will find a Catholic school but not Indeed, you've been listening to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Um, If you're interested in what we've been talking about, you can contact us at our website at www.adogs.info. www.adogs.info. But until next week, when we'll be back going through, actually next week we're going to go through this whole Gonski thing, because I think we need to do it step by step. Mm. And of course, it's pretty easy to find them, but we'll report on another great state school. But until then, of course, it's bye for now. I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night Alive as you and me Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead I never died, says he Says I, him standing by my bed. They framed you on a murder charge. Says Joe, but I'm dead. Says Joe, but I'm dead. The copper bosses killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe. Says I. Takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe, I didn't die, says Joe, I didn't die. And standing there as big as life, and smiling with 
in his eyes Says Joe what they can never kill Went on to organize Went on to organize From San Diego up to Maine In every mine and mill Where workers strike and organize It's there you find your hill It's there you find your hill I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night Alive as you and me Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead I never